Today, we're going to go through a strategy that has produced just under 10% on average every year since the last 30 years. And that is with most years producing a positive return, a very strong strategy, a strategy that has been getting a lot of talk uh, online and elsewhere. And so that is what we'll be talking to you today. So let's jump in. Hi, my name is James Corsier and welcome to the Money Paradox podcast. And yes, that is right. We'll be going through the Ray Dalio all-weather strategy, a very powerful strategy. And that is because it has been able to produce a very strong return, just under 10%, over a very long period of time, on average, every year. And the key thing here is with uh, a very low volatility. And what I mean by that is very few years have produced a negative return. In fact, it is less than 15% of the years uh, if you look at the last 30 years. This is a, this is a strategy that's been back-tested for like the last 100 years and it has still produced phenomenal returns. So a strategy where you can get a very high return, just, uh, just under 10%, while getting that very low volatility, i.e., you know, each year uh, not producing really uh, any any one year producing really particularly negative results, uh, is really powerful. Okay, because usually when you get those very high returns, like for example the stock market, that usually comes with that volatility and that risk of getting those really, quite frankly, horrible years. Right, like two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight. You know, a, a half halving of the market. 2002, 2003, you know, again, you know, half of the market uh, in, in its value was lost. It dropped by 50%. Crazy, crazy, right? And if you were invested in that market at the time, you know, that is going to feel very stressful. You're going to lose a lot of money. And to weather that storm uh, would take some serious resolve. And this strategy is able to still get those strong returns while... Um, while uh, uh, reducing the volatility, uh, reducing that risk of of those negative losses. Now, this is an important caveat, right? This we're talking about in the past. These things have happened in the past, and who knows what's going to happen in the future? Okay, this um, you know things might go up, might go down. Who knows, right? I can't say for certain what's going to happen in the past. But what I can say is this strategy, when it has been back-tested in the past, in the last 30 years, 100 years, it has still done very, very well. Okay? So, with that in mind, let's jump in. Okay? So, so before I kind of go through this strategy, what I want to do is I want to first kind of explain who this Ray Dalio guy is, where it's all come from, and, and why this thing is so powerful and why I've decided to talk about it. Well, firstly, the reason why I like to talk about it is because it is a strategy that I often advocate. I think it is very powerful. And that is because if you're getting uh, started on the road to investing, you're not sure, you're not hugely experienced, you're not, um, you're not confident about where we are in the market and what types of assets are going to go up or down in the future. Okay, This is powerful because it's what we call an evergreen approach. It means that regardless of what, what situation we are in the economy, the market, what politics is playing out, this strategy should still do well over the medium to long term. And that is because it is a diversified portfolio. That just means you've got lots of different things put together in the right kind of ratio so that when one thing goes down, another thing will go up. 
ideally. Okay, so that when pulled together, you're not having a situation where everything you own is going down at the same time and you're losing a lot of money. That brings with it a lot of stress. And if you want to then, you know, use that money for something like an emergency, for example, you're having to use that money, use those investments when the value is down, which is not good. Okay. And also, this is a big, big addition. You know, a lot of people, you know, the kind of classical view around investing is, you know, you invest, you invest for kind of like 30, 60 years, because, because you're, um, you're, you're investing with this big horizon to retire at kind of like 65, 70 years old. Well, I think that's rubbish. Personally, I'm a big fan of early retirement, becoming financially free, financially secure, financially confident as quickly and as early as possible. And for us to do that, you know, we're talking shorter windows, right? Five, 10 years, 15 years, whatever it is for you. And so if you're investing in something that potentially could get big losses over kind of like the one to five to 10 years, then that's a big risk for you, right? That might have to put off and delay your ability to become um, financially free, right? And we don't want that, right? We don't want to wait another five years to become financially free. That is not a good idea, okay? And so if we look at the stock market, for example, if you invested all your money in 2007, okay, or a few years before that, and then, uh, and then you know, your ideal time to retire, early retire, or become financially free um, and kind of uh, not be reliant on earning money was a few years after the big crash, then, then you would have to delay uh, when you uh, would kind of early retire, right? So that's not good. We don't want to be in that situation. So that is one of the additional reasons why this is so powerful. Okay, so who is this Ray Dalio guy? Well, in the investing world, he is extremely famous. He's notorious. He's an absolute legend. Within this uh, field of investing, he's, he's what we call a unicorn. And the reason why we call him a unicorn is that, uh, not that he doesn't exist, he does exist. He is a real person. He is not like Santa Claus. Uh, and if you did think Santa Claus existed, then uh, I'm sorry to break it to you. Uh, but on a serious note, you know, he's considered a unicorn because he's very rare. And what I mean by that is the reality of the investing world is that most people aren't able to beat the market. And what I mean by that is if you take, say, the stock market, the stock market goes up on average by so many percent a year, right? You take the last 14%, 40 years, so it's 13, 14%, okay? And there's countless studies done on this that when you look at all of these professional investors, portfolio managers, and so on, that the majority of them, the vast majority of them, when you look at the performance of the funds that they have managed, right, they are lower than the average return of the stock market. That is insane. What that is basically saying is that you just investing in the stock market, the S&P 500, the top um, shares in the market in the US, the UK, whatever, right? Uh, the kind of the market as a whole, you would get more money, you would make more money from the stock market as a whole than you would by investing in these specific funds that someone is like paid to manage and is supposed to be doing it because they know what they're doing. That is insane. What that basically means is it doesn't benefit you from, from investing in these people. What you're better off investing in is the market in general, right? to not try and beat the system, but just 
but just go um, go in with the system, go in with the stock market and invest in the stock market as a whole. Now that might be controversial to some of you and to some people out there, but generally speaking, that really is the case. If you do your research, there are countless studies showing that. And um, some you know, express it as literally like a few percent, if not a less than 1% of people can truly beat the market. And those people that are beating the market, um, you know, you look at them in the next five, 10 years, they aren't beating the market, okay? So I'm not gonna talk more about that, but essentially what I'm saying there is most people that, that, that work in this industry that are, that are trying to beat the market often don't. Now with Ray Dalio, the reason why he's, he's called a unicorn, he's, he's one of those very few people that is able to consistently beat the market time after time after time. And not only that, but by some really substantial market. Uh, margins and that is why he's so famous that is why he's so notorious and that is why he is the owner of the largest hedge fund in the world I mean that is that's pretty impressive right the largest in the world right this hedge fund has over 170 billion that's not a million billion dollars in it it is so big that they can't take any more money on if they took any more money on, then what would happen is they would what you call a market maker. That it would mean that the investments they want to invest in, they can't invest in because they would invest too much money into it, which would affect the price. Think about that. It's so big, they cannot take any more money on. So, um, you know, people like you and I uh, can't go and invest in, in these funds that Ray Dalio has. That is insane that is bonkers that is another level of investing right um one of his main you know kind of more what you would call his more actively managed fund is is what you call his what he calls sorry uh, the pure alpha fund and this fund in 2008 when the market hard right 50 percent drop this fund went up 9.5 percent it went up 9.5 percent in the year when everything seemed to be falling apart. Last year, it went up 45%. That is a, such a huge uh, growth in just one year. So this guy, let me put it this way, this guy knows what he's talking about, okay? If anybody knows what he's talking about in the area of investing, this guy really does. Now, this is not the only person I follow. There's a lot of people out there that I highly respect. Um, Less than I would like, unfortunately. You know, that I don't think there's a huge amount of people that really um, are really experienced and know what they're talking about in the area of investing and are ethically, respectfully sharing honest and true information on a consistent basis. But Ray Dalio is one of those people. Now, um, I think his wealth, his total wealth, right, is over $18 billion. Just think how much money that is. If you put that all in a room, like, I don't even think it would fit in a room. That's ridiculous. Anyway, so this guy is big, right? And I just want to kind of really make that point, right? This isn't just some random dude that um, kind of came up with this strategy and I heard about it and I'm telling you about it. You know, I didn't hear about it down the bub, right? This is a strategy that uh, has come from someone who really knows what he's talking about. Um, I've used it and a lot of people um, that I know have used it and have benefited greatly. Okay, so this comes from experience, my own experience and from somebody who knows what he's talking about. Okay.
Last thing I want to say as well around this subject is uh, Ray Dalio accurately predicted the 2008 crisis. So not only is he able to obtain very strong uh, returns, uh, returns higher than the, the market in general, but when we have those periods of downturns, you know, he sees those coming. He understands why those exist. Doesn't catch them all, but he understands the concept of of where these uh, where these downturns, where these um, crashes come from, and so takes that into account in how we invest and the kinds of structures of investments are set up. Okay, right. So let's go on to the strategy itself. Okay, so like I said. Over the last 30 years, it produced a return of just under 10%. Now, it's not like 30, 50% returns. It's not like crazy abnormal returns, right? Just under 10%. But that's still a very strong return. If you're getting started and you know, you're investing in a way that's pretty, pretty um, reliable, it's fairly, um, you know, it's not having to get you to actively check on everything and see what kind of the market's doing and maybe change because of what the market's doing, right? It's not having you do that. It's not requiring you to like um, constantly check up on, on all these different uh, market situations and all the different assets and why they're performing as they are. It's not getting you to do that. It's a, it's a standard strict portfolio. It has some rules, you follow the rules, that's it. Okay, and it still produces just under ten percent. That is uh, very close to what the stock market return is, right? Which is extremely volatile, extremely risky, um, but you're still getting most of the returns. Pretty cool, right? Uh, the next thing is, you know, like I said before, eighty-five percent of the years uh, over, I think it was over the last thirty years. 85% of the, those years, you got a positive return, right? So very few years did you actually get a negative. You did get negative returns sometimes, but it's very few, right? So you're not having that constant palpitations of, oh my God, like my returns are so crazily low, right? Um, you're not getting that. And then um, of, the, of those, um, what was it? Um, of those negative years, just that 15% of years, the average loss was was uh, less than 2%, okay? So very few years was a loss, and of those years, the average loss was less than 2%, so like nothing, okay? So what I'm trying to say here is, you're still getting those really high returns, just under 10%, but you're not getting those big drops. And for a lot of people, that's a really, a really important point, because, you know, you may well say, oh, you know, it's not a big deal, if the crash happens, okay, I know I can weather it, and and get through to when the, um, my investment does well again. But when that comes, when, when, when something you invest in drops by such a huge amount of money, emotionally, the stress around that, around like the impact on that and what you do and so on, you're constantly thinking about it, you know, like for a lot of people, that's just not worth it, especially if investing is not your forte, it's not something you want to focus on, it's just something that you know is important as part of our everyday lives of our everyday um, financial um, you know setup and stability okay okay it also beat the classic what we call 60 40 so 60 40 is uh, this whole concept around you know you you start with say for example 60 percent in the stock market 40 percent in bonds and then over time as you as you get closer to retirement you reduce your amount of money in equity right in the stock market 
and you increase the amount of money that you have in bonds, government bonds, which is seen as safer. So that as you come close to retirement, uh, more of your money is in a safer, a safer asset. You know, uh, traditionally done by you know like pensions, uh, like pension funds and so on. Uh, you know, uh, you know, been talked about for many, many years, and and um, quite notorious as an investment approach. Has also beat that, uh, so very powerful. All right, so that is the all weather strategy, just generally in terms of the big numbers around why it's so good, why it gets such really strong returns, um, and and how little volatility you get. So powerful, right? Impressed. <laughs> So why, why does this happen? So the, the main reason is that the all-weather strategy effectively uh, asks you to invest in a number of different things in a set ratio. So why are we investing in a number of different things? We're doing that because some things go up in certain, certain situations and other things go up in other situations. So for example, at the moment, uh, the US economy is doing fairly well it has done for quite a number of years the UK economy is doing not so well with uh, Brexit uh, other countries like China uh, had been doing very well for the last few years you know is showing some signs of uh, concern because of the uh, trade war with the US there's all these politics all these economic situations are going on now some economies are doing well others are doing badly and over time that changes right so you know, we're not all full-time economists, um, news followers, uh, political enthusiasts, right? So to follow that and understand it and understand how that impacts all the different assets is uh, it's complex, it's long, it can be boring for a lot of people, right? And um, quite frankly, we don't want to spend a lot of our time doing that. And also, even if we do, we don't necessarily have the confidence that we know uh, that which assets are going to do well or badly in the future as a result of all of that, okay? So this investment approach is effectively looking at a way to to deal with the fact that all of these situations are changing but we don't want our money that we're investing to suddenly go down in certain situations right um, in the short term but also in the long term okay now at this point I want to give you a quick story about how this strategy came to be it came to be because Ray Dalio is getting to his later years. In fact, he's very old, and he's looking at his, um, you know, what's the word? His legacy. So part of that is he's got all this money, huge amount of money, and he wants to make sure that his family are taken care of and their family are taken care of. Now he is a very good investor, so he knows that while he's alive, he can make sure he invests his money well, invests his family money well so that they've always got um, good money to be able to live a good life. But then he was like, hmm, when I die, then what? Well, I'm not going to be able to invest the money, so what do I do? Do I give the money to somebody else to invest? Well, I don't know. don't really trust anybody else. Like Most people suck at investing. Most people can't reliably do it. And I'm not alive to make sure that's a good person, it's the right person, that they're doing the right things with the money. It's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of risk there. And, you know, maybe I can find someone good now, but then what about when that person dies or stops wanting to invest? Then what? Who does he pass it on to, right? You know, there's only so long that I can control a safe place for the investments for my family. So he said, well, okay, well, what if I could come up with an investment strategy that 
No, over the medium to long term, I know it's going to do well. Okay, you might you know have some like bad patches, but generally speaking, over the medium to long term, it is just it's always going to do well. Okay, well then I can invest that money in that way, and just say right, it needs to follow that system regardless, and and tell somebody to invest in that specific way. You can't make any decisions; you just have to do it on that method forever. Well, then if I'm able to come up with that, that that works, all I need to do is put that in place. And then I know that money is going to reliably go up in value and not have any major shocks uh, forever, effectively. So then I know that money is safe for my family after I die. Pretty good idea, right? Now, this guy is famous for you know thinking outside the box, um, asking the questions that people don't necessarily ask. When people are just saying, what's tomorrow? You know, um, how do we move forward? How do we increase by 5%? He's saying, well, actually, is this the right business? Is this the right way we should be doing it? Um, everybody's moving right. Why are they moving right? Should we move left? Should we be moving any at all, right? He asks those questions that people don't often think, right? So a very, very intelligent man and a very uh, unique way of thinking. So he came up with this, uh, this kind of exam question and then in not too long, he came up with a decision. He you know, tried a few different things, came up with an idea that he thought would be uh, fairly powerful. And then what, he, what did he do? He back-tested it. He tried it over the last 40 years, 100 years, and so on, and realized that it was producing very strong returns. And not only that, but it was not getting those, uh, those uh, big drops, and most years were positive. Okay. So he tested it to understand, to kind of really understand why, and and develop real confidence in it. So he set this up, got uh, a lot of his family uh, invested in it, and it was great. He started to talk to people about it. Everybody got really interested. That's a really great idea. Can I invest in that? Can I do it? Can you put some money in for me? I said yeah, sure. So he started as a very informal thing, fairly small. Started to build and build and build to the point where it became one of. Um, uh, uh, Bridgewater's uh, main investment vehicles. Bridgewater is the uh, company that he owns, the investment company he owns, and uh, became a big part of uh, one of the things they offered, right? It became huge because it was so popular, such a good idea, to the point where, you know, even that fund became so big that, you know, um, um, it became very difficult to invest in as well. So that's the backstory, right? A really clever idea of, of solving a real problem for himself, that then to kind of escalate. Now, this strategy that I'm going to tell you later is is a kind of a simplified version. It's a simplified version so that you know, most people with a bit of knowledge can can apply it. Okay, what he does is a little bit more complicated. He does various other kind of like mechanisms and steps and so on. That for um, you know a layman like you and me, then it is a lot more simple to implement. Okay, and. Uh, and easier to implement. Okay, so, all right, with further ado. So, the way he explains it is he talks about uh, that the market is, is you know, there's all these different changes, these variables that's going on that affects uh, various assets. And really, when you nut it down, there's, there's two fundamental things that can affect uh, assets. One is the economy. So if the economy is doing well, some assets do well. When the economy is doing bad, other assets do um, do well. 
you look at inflation, inflation is increasing, then some assets do well. And if inflation is decreasing, other assets do well. Okay. So the idea is that if you invest in a number of different things that sit within each of these four blocks, right? Economy doing well, economy doing badly, inflation going up, inflation going down. Okay. Invest in all four of these things, then regardless of which environment's playing out, you've always got something that is doing well. Right? So even if something's doing badly, something else is doing well. Okay? Something's doing badly, something else is doing well. That's the idea. Okay? So let's give you some examples, right? So if the economy is doing well, right? Uh, if you take the stock market, the stock market generally is doing well. Because the economy is doing well, there's more consumption, more demand, right? more money flowing through the system. That means then companies are becoming more successful, the value of the stock market is going up, and therefore, if you've invested in that stock market, then your uh, money is going up in value. Okay? Um, another one is commodities. So commodities is just like raw materials. Now, actually, if, if you want to know more about all of what I'm talking about here, all the different types of assets and, and the variables that, that can make them go up and down, check out the previous video. Talk about that in a lot more detail. I think you'll find that really interesting. Um, but I'll talk about it through just a little bit, just so you, you understand it from the Ray Dalio strategy point of view. Okay? So if the economy is doing well, stock market goes up, Okay, generally. Uh, also, commodities go up. Because if consumption and demand, the economy is all very, very successful and growing, and there's a lot of confidence, well, then what do, these what do these companies need to produce all of this stuff? Well, they need raw materials. They need wood and iron and copper and gold and platinum and um, oil. They need all this stuff to, to make all the things that the economy is wanting. So the value of the commodities go up because the demand is going up, right? And then last one, corporate bonds. So corporate bonds is instead of buying a piece of, com uh, of a company, you might want to... Um, you might want to uh, loan some money to a company, right? Because they want to invest, right? So the value of those bonds are going to go up. You're going to get a higher return because they've got more to do with those uh, bonds. They, um, you know, they've got more. They've got more demand for money to go out and invest to spend that money to to build the to build the company because they're getting really strong returns. So they're more likely to give you a higher returns. Um, and so the corporate bonds are going to go up in value. Now, decreasing uh, economy, if the economy is going down, well, okay, so think about it. If the economy is doing rubbish and, you know, the stock market is doing awfully, you know, credit's really hard to access, everything's really uncertain, um, everybody's really worried about what's going on, well, if you've got some money, where are you going to put that money? You're probably going to put it into something safe, right? So you either keep it in cash or you're going to put it in something, say, like government bonds. You're going to lend it to a very reliable government. So if you lend it to the UK, the US, for example, you know they're they are big, strong, reliable economies that you know extremely unlikely though those governments are going to not pay you back. And as a result, um, there's going to be more demand for lending to those types of governments. And so the value of those types of uh, bonds, right, those loans, are going to go up in value effectively. Okay. And the second one is long-term corporate bonds. That all that means is that, you know things that over a longer period of time, more um, uh, there's like longer of an opportunity for those for those companies to kind of do well and get back back into shape, especially on those really long like 
old mature companies that stand the test of time through through uh, a number of different um, uh, corrections in the stock market okay so now let's look at look at inflation okay so inflation if the inflation is going up like what is inflation inflation is the slow devaluation of our money right so if if I have a hundred pounds okay and inflation is say five percent then what that means is in a year's time, my money is going to be worth 5% less. So today it's worth £100. In a year's time, it's going to be worth £95, right? So what happens is if inflation is high, over time, our money is going to go down in value more quickly. So cash is going to be worse to hold, okay? So if inflation is declining, it's lowering, then cash is better, okay? Then you want to stay in cash because the value of cash is diminishing less quickly or less quickly compared to other things, okay? So if inflation is going up, cash is going down quickly, so we wanna move it into something else that's not cash, like gold, okay? So we wanna move it into something that is, um, that, is, that is not cash, so that cash devalues, gold stays the same, or up relative to cash, so that the gold becomes more valuable in terms of cash, in terms of money. Right, so then you buy gold, and then a year later, um, it's gone up in value relative to the money. And then you buy back the money at a higher price. You've effectively made money through the through the um, through the uh, increase in inflation and the decrease in the value of money. Don't worry if, if some of this doesn't make sense. It's absolutely fine. I'm just giving you some examples as to why this thing works. Effectively, it's just that you're investing in different things that do well or do badly in different environments okay just quickly if you're enjoying this um if you're enjoying this uh video please do like uh please do like it uh, send me some comments let me know what you're enjoying what you'd like to see in future videos um what is it in particular you'd like to see uh, um, be covered off or in more detail any advice feedback uh content for future videos let me know we'd love to hear that and if you think there's anybody that you know that would appreciate this video, that would benefit from this video, please do share it with them. All right, okay. So if inflation goes up, say, for example, commodities. So if you think about inflation, inflation is just when um, the things that you're having to buy with your money becomes more expensive. Well, commodities is one of those things. So if inflation is going up, it means that commodities, generally speaking, have gone up. Property has gone up, generally speaking, right? So if you think about... There's like indexes for inflation, RPI or CPI. RPI is a collection of goods um, that we or services that we buy. Property, various products, commodities, these are the kind of things. So if these things are going up in value, inflation is going up in value. Okay? All right. So essentially what I'm saying is there's different things that do well or badly in different environments. So what do we want to do? We want to own a number of these things. Okay, so what are those things? Well, this particular strategy, there's, there's various different what we call portfolio uh, in investment strategies. Okay, there's many different types, but this one only has essentially four different types of assets that we're investing in. Right, it's different ones that work in different ways, but this one in particular has four. And those four are one, stocks, stock market. Okay. Number two, government bonds. So government bonds are essentially where you are 
lending money to a government. A bond is just a loan, essentially, and it's to the government, right? You don't necessarily need to do it physically to the government. You do it through an intermediary. We'll cover off how you do it in practice uh, later in future videos. But that's essentially what it is. Thirdly, commodities. So commodities are like oil, uh, grain, metals and stuff, raw materials that uh, companies need to produce, produce things. And then lastly, gold. Okay, gold is like a commodity, but it's more like a store of wealth, an alternative store of wealth to cash, to currency. All right. So we made it clear that we need to invest in a number of different things. So, and then we talked about uh, and why. Then we're talking about what are those things? Well, it's these four things I've just covered. Gold, government bonds, commodities, and bonds. Uh, stop, stop, stock market, government bonds, commodities, and gold. Those four things. Okay. And the reason it's those four things is because that's like the simplest way to cover off each of these four areas uh, sufficiently so that you're covering off all the different environments with the kind of least amount of things in the most reliable way. That is essentially why it's those four. Well, so we know the four, but then the next question is, well, in what ratio? Because, you know, you could go off and you say, well, I'm going to uh, of my, say, £1,000 worth of money that I want to invest in this uh, approach, I'm going to put £250 in the stock market, £250 in uh, government bonds, £250 in commodities, and £250 in gold. Okay, so that's one way of doing it. Now, the danger with that, though, is that if in one situation the stock market goes down by 50%, but government bonds go up by 10%, okay, and you've got the same amount of each, even though one of your things have gone up and one of your things have gone down, overall, you're still massively down because your stock, um, your shares have gone down by 50%, but your government bonds have gone, by, gone up by 10%. Does that make sense? And that is because each type of asset has a different level of volatility. And volatility just means that level of movement. The stock market moves a lot, right? Some years it goes down by 50%. Other years, it can go up by 10, 15, 20%, right? It has a lot of movement there. Other things like government bonds has less movement. It's, it's, uh, it's more shallow in, in how it moves. It can still move quite, quite aggressively, but a lot less than the stock market in general, okay? The other thing is it's impacted uh, less. Uh, some things are impacted less or more by certain situations. So if the economy is doing badly, the stock market can drop considerably, but um, but the but but the uh, government bonds uh, may just go up by a small amount. Okay, so so that's the example of government bonds and the stock market. What about gold? Gold's even more volatile than the stock market. It can go up and down huge amounts, you know, in days, literally just days. Okay, so uh, so even more volatile than the stock market. And the same with commodities. Commodities, there's a huge amount of variables that can impact them. You have huge uh, shocks in the prices of commodities, which can dramatically change the prices of them. And so as a result of that, we need to take that into account. And the way we do that is we change how much we invest in each of these things. So you want to hear what the, uh, what the ratio is? What that, what that split is? Okay, so moment of truth. So... The thing that has the least volatility, the least movement, you want to invest the most in that. And that's because if a certain situation plays out, you need more of that because it's going to go up or down less than something else. 
So government bonds is the thing you want to be investing the most in. And this is quite a lot, a lot more than you may think. 50, uh, 55% in government bonds. Now, there's a slight uh, uh, shift in this because it's 55%, but it's invested in two different types. And we call these long-term and intermediate bonds. Now, long-term just means um, bonds that are invested uh, are a loan of a very long period of time, usually about over 15 years. Yeah, so that means when you're in, if you take that bond, it's like saying you're lending money to the government, and you say, government, you give me the money back, say in 15 years' time, plus a certain level of interest each year. Okay, so you're committing to lending that money over a very long period of time, uh, and you're committing to a certain level of interest over that long period of time. Now, you don't necessarily need to hold it for 15 years, but that thing that you're buying has a commitment with the government for a very long period of time. Right? That's the key. So the interest rates are kind of stuck for a very long period of time. Now, I won't go into all the details around that and why that impacts it, but essentially, the majority, 40% of the 55%, is in long-term government bonds over 15 years. The other 15% is what we call intermediate, which just means shorter, not really short, but uh, less than long-term, so seven to 10 years. Okay, So a shorter time period that you're lending to uh, the government for. Okay? All right, so that's bonds. The next... Uh, uh, the, the next kind of uh, more volatile thing gets uh, uh, 30%. So this is the stock market. Stock market. 30% of what uh, you're investing in goes into the stock market. All right? And this is essentially the stock market as a whole. Now, you can decide whether that's um, the US stock market, the UK, the global stock market. And we'll go, we'll go into exactly how you do it and, and what types of things you can think about. But effectively, it's the stock market as a whole. Okay, uh, so companies effectively. All right, so that's the stock market, thirty percent, and that's but you're doing investing less in that relative to the government bonds because that is more volatile than government bonds. All right, and then you have gold and commodities. Now, gold and commodities are the most volatile, so you need to invest less in it because it will vary more, and that is uh, the remaining fifteen percent split equally: seven and a half percent in gold, seven and a half percent in commodities. And that is your 100%. 40% in long-term bonds, 15% in intermediate bonds, 30% in stock market, 7.5% in gold, and 7.5% in commodities, making up 100% of your pie. Yeah, makes sense? Good. So I've just quoted you a load of different things, a load of different percentages of stuff. So you may well be thinking, well, how the hell do I actually do this? How do I actually set this up, right? Well, First thing you need to kind of appreciate is like what what does it mean by each of these things? Okay, what what's what's a good way of of doing it? Well, you know, ultimately this is uh, this is a decision you need to make in terms of what exactly you specifically uh, want to invest in. Okay, that is your investment decision. This is just general investment um, education information, right? Um, but but I can give you some illustrations and some kind of analogies around this. So firstly, long-term bonds. So it's gotta be a government bond where you wanna be doing it in a reliably, uh, in a reliable uh, government. So 
the UK, the US, developed economies like certain parts of Europe, um, governments that are reliably going to pay back that money. Okay, so you may want to just do it in the US, the UK, or you might want to do it in a number of different ones collectively. Okay, then you want to split it between long term and those intermediate ones. So you can do it by looking for funds. Funds are simply a fund is a company that has set up a, a effectively a bucket and they put in a load of different things that is exactly what you want. So they've gone out and got a load of government bonds with a reliable government, maybe one particular um, country, and they made sure the term of those loans were over 15 years. Well, that's what you want effectively, right? So you want to be doing um, the right ratio and making sure the term of those meets uh, what Ray Dalio is talking about here, over 15 years for long-term bonds, seven to 10, a bit intermediate. Next one, stock market. Stock market. So effectively, you don't want to be investing in specific shares because then you've got the risk of those particular companies going uh, down or up differently to, to the rest of the stock market. So you could invest in, say, the US stock market, you know, for example, the S&P 500, the top 500 US listed companies. You can invest in the FTSE 100, the top 100 companies listed in the UK. You can invest in a fund that invests in many different indexes or companies in developed economies all over the world. Right, it's another alternative. You can invest in Europe, many different ways you could do it. Right? Um, and you just be careful that uh, you are investing in the right thing, that it is definitely what it's saying is, and the uh, cost of those funds are lowest possible, right? Because the key thing here is that a lot of these funds that you that you would be investing in to do this charge different amounts, some more, some less than others. Some can charge 10, 100 times more than others, right? And there's many different uh, costs involved in the fund. Some can be very hidden, so you need to be careful about that. Another thing is around whether it's active or managed, or sorry, active or passive. A passive fund is essentially a fund that just follows some rules. And because it's just following some rules, just like this, then it's very cheap because you're not having to pay some very, um, very expensive, experienced person to decide to make some decisions on it. They're just following some rules. So it's much cheaper for them to manage it and therefore they don't charge you as much. An actively managed fund is where they're deciding, oh, I think that's going to do well. I think that's going to do well. Um, so I'm going to put the money in there. So you have to pay more for that facility. Remember what I said earlier? That most, uh, most investment funds, actively managed funds, do not beat the market. They actually are worse than the market. And then you have the fees on top. So I would personally stay away from active funds and stick to those passive funds. Okay, and then for gold and commodities, again, so you, what you, you can do is you can just buy a fund that owns that gold or buy a fund that owns a number of commodities. Make sense? Good. I don't mean you can go out and actually just buy the gold. You can do if you want, but then that will be cost. You've got to store the gold. It's all very complex. Okay, so effectively... You're buying each of these things in a set ratio and you're, and you're making sure you are uh, buying the right things, reliable versions of those things. And you can use funds to do that. And then you can use an intermediary to, be able to do that, like Fidelity or Interactive Investor or Hargreaves Lansdowne. These are all very famous companies. Um, they're essentially intermediaries that can facilitate you buying these things, right? 
Now, you know, you've got to be careful. You've got to do your research. Which ones do you want to, uh, which one, um, which company you're going to go with, that you're buying the right things. Be careful. And if you're unsure, uh, get financial advice. Get professional financial advice and go ask them. Okay, good. So there you have it. That is the, um, that is the Ray Dalio all weather strategy. So to summarize, what Ray Dalio has, has, has kind of covered here is effectively five different types of investments that do well or badly in different economic environments that when pulled together on the whole do well in the medium to long term regardless of the economic situation. So that uh, in any one year, you're not losing big amounts of money. You're not getting that stress of your value of your money going up and down in huge amounts of time. So that if you need access to money at short notice, that isn't an issue. You're not going to suddenly be hit with a huge drop in value. You're going to get stressed out by it. And you're still getting strong returns over the last 40 years, 30 years. Um, it, it received just under a 10% return. Now, will that uh, get a similar returns in the future? Who knows? But uh, it's been back-tested over a huge amount, uh, huge time periods and has done very well. So with that, please uh, invest responsibly. Make sure um, you're confident in your decisions. You get professional financial advice where needed um, uh, before you make any decisions. I hope this has been valuable. If you have found it valuable, please like. Uh, the video please comment let me know what you've enjoyed what you found useful uh, let me know what you thought were the key takeaways if you would like to see further content uh, going forward on this particular topic on other topics please let me know direct message me or comment um, and I would love to uh, to cover those areas I want to make sure this content is as valuable and as useful for you because you're the people watching it and that is why I am doing these videos if there is anyone that you think would benefit uh, from checking out these videos, please share it with them. Please spread the word. That would really make my day. Okay, with that note, have a great rest of the day. And that's it. Bye for now. Bye-bye.